With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into the BSN Buffs podcast. Coming to you archived from the Blake Street Tavern, as always, uh, with my trusted co-host and... Am I your boss now? Absolutely. <laughs> under no circumstances are you my boss. Ryan Koningsberg and someone I'm actually kind of somewhat the boss of, but we've already kind tried of, to dispute yeah. that. Uh, Ali Monroy is joining us again on the BSN Buffs podcast. So glad to have her here. Uh, but I wanted to start the podcast off with this. Idaho State versus Oregon State. Shut up. <laughs> no, seriously. Did you see the score on that game? Oh, it was like right on the line, wasn't it? What did, what, what, do you know what the line was? What was the line? It was 30. And you bet the over, I bet the under. It was a push. Wait, it, they. So I took uh, Oregon State to cover, and you took Idaho State right. to cover, and, and it, was it was thirty to zero, wasn't it? Yes. No, it was thirty-seven-seven. Okay. So what I was trying to get into here—that's uh, <laughs> pretty amazing. The first ever bet of the week, we tied. Yeah, but we tried to advise people to take the buffs plus the points, and they actually did cover. Um, and where you can take those odds, real Las Vegas odds, is mybookie.lv. Football fans are flooding the online marketplace, putting big action on football games, and then they have to wait weeks to collect their cash. There's nothing more frustrating. That's why thousands of online players are going to mybookie.lv. They offer real Las Vegas odds, incredible player props, and live in-game action with odds updated in real time. And as we just told you, fast, no hassle payouts when you win. Join now, and they'll match your first deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000 and get an extra 10%. Bonus on top of that, when you sign up and deposit today, make sure you use promo code BSN Denver to activate the offer. BSN Denver is the offer. Expert or rookie, you got to check out mybookie.lv. Loki, if you're smart, you put in $1,000 last week. You got your 2000 You put it all down on the buffs, and now you have four Gs thanks to the BSN Buffs podcast. <laughs> and we'll tell you whether or not you should bet on this Oregon game later in the podcast. We will tell you that. But first off, Ryan, you are at the big house. I want to recap the game. But as people that are fans of college football like we all are that do this podcast and listen to this podcast, I got to get your read on what the atmosphere is like and what that is like going to a game with 110,000 people. It's pretty wild. Uh, the crazy thing is that, you know, Ann Arbor isn't a big town. There's not big roads or anything going into it. And so all of a sudden you're bringing 110,000 people, people into this small town and, like, the traffic is god-awful. There's nowhere to park, so everyone just sells their driveways. And, like, the driveways are just, like, long, skinny driveways, so it'll be, like, no easy way out. So you... You pay for parking, but if you're the first person, you have to wait for the, all the people in front of you to leave before you can leave. Uh, it's just crazy, and really, it's insane for that economy of that like you know little college town. There's not enough bars for all the people to go after the game, and every single one is just popping off. Uh, but you know, I liked Michigan. I love going to places where college football comes first, and even with the the Lions just up the street, like just from driving around and seeing the stickers on the cars and the gear that people are wearing in the airport. Like, 
it's a Michigan state. Like they're all about Michigan football there. Um, at yeah, least in that saw, area. Saw B-Bads at least even go to the Buffs game and the Michigan game. Uh, in the, the Lions, you mean? Yeah. Did I say something else? I say You like, said type. the Buffs game and the Michigan game, oh, well, the which Michigan. I did that. <laughs> yeah, you did that. You did that. Uh, but I want to get more about what your time in Ann Arbor was like and kind of contrasting that with Boulder because I find that so interesting because they seem like very similar size college towns and all that, but obviously Michigan football is in a different spot than Colorado football is right now. But speaking about where they are in terms of their programs, Michigan's ranked number three in the country right now. Colorado legitimately went toe-to-toe -to -toe for them for 35 minutes, and as you texted me at halftime, Colorado's outplaying Michigan right now. So, Yeah, I felt like from an offensive and defensive standpoint, the Buffs were the better team. Uh, it's, a, it's a shame for them to lose special teams so badly that they end up losing the game. Uh, not, you know... I don't want to say, like, I, I feel weird saying this, but it's like they always find a way, you know, they always find a way to lose. And I don't want to put that evil on this team because, like, I like this team. I think they're a good team, and I think they're capable of winning. So I don't want to, like, jumble them together with all these Buffs teams of old that always found a way to lose. But I, I don't know. It, it just it, it felt like hashtag, they should have won. It hashtag felt like Buffs? It was yeah. hashtag Buff shit. So I don't know. It, it was tough to watch because you felt like the offense and the defense left everything on the field. Um, they came out with such energy, such passion, and, like, they were supposed to win that game. Uh, unfortunately, like, I don't like to throw people under the bus, but their punter cost them the game. Um, well, I was on Pearl Street watching the game, and the atmosphere on Pearl um, was insane. Everyone was going crazy, especially um, – at the beginning when we were winning, like I think every CU fan was so just shocked and so excited. Um, and then the special teams started costing us some points and it just, the atmosphere completely changed. People started leaving. Everyone just got so frustrated and it was just completely different. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the game, I mean, I was at a bar mitzvah, so I, I don't have the expertise that you do have because I was lifting up chairs all night. <laughs> um, so I feel like Allie probably has the cleanest remembrance of the game. Probably, but the way that momentum shifted, and I was on Twitter for almost all the game, or at least three quarters, and, you know, you watch that first quarter, and you, I watched it again, and you're like, oh, my God, Colorado, like, is going they, – they're better than Michigan. They're playing flawless football. Okay, and then they make a mistake, and they're still beating Michigan. They're still fine. I mean, and I even wrote this in my three things piece. They make one mistake, they were fine. They made two mistakes, they were fine. Those third and four punting errors were the ones that cost them. The Buffs pretty much could have beaten Michigan while still making some errors in that game. And that's what was really impressive to me is that there was room for, there's a margin for error. And I thought going into this, there would be no margin for error if Colorado needed to upset Michigan and there was a slight margin of error. So not only was it impressive the way Colorado played, but it was the way that they lost it that was almost impressive in a way too because it was like, all right, well, they're, sh they're hurting themselves more than Michigan's hurting them. And these aren't, these, aren't mistake these aren't mistakes that are so unfixable. They're, okay, our punter is bad. Our kicker is bad. Okay, fix that. You know, it wasn't like... We are clearly out-talented at a position. The Buffs were clearly not out-talented at any position until they started going into their depth in the second half, and they got kind of ran on a little bit. Yeah, that was tough to see because 
like like we've said, you know, they were outplaying Michigan. Like they, to me, you know, one through twenty-two, their starters on uh, on offense and defense were better than Michigan's. Like they played better than them on this day. All of a sudden, Cepho goes down, and that. You know, I equated it to someone after the game as like a hive losing their queen bee. It was just like it was just like chaos after that. You know, no no one knew what to do. The offensive line all of a sudden was just in shambles. Like, I don't even know what happened there. Like, it literally looked like Steven Montez didn't have an offensive line when he was in there. I mean, you were minus two of your biggest leaders on that offense because Alex Kelly really wasn't playing. I don't know if he, he played at all because I really didn't get a clear view of the game, but I know he didn't start, and I know every time I looked, he wasn't in there. So you're minus two of your biggest offensive leaders, and that is so key when you go out on the road. We talk about it with the basketball team all the time and why we think they're going to be successful this year because they're a veteran team, and veteran teams in college sports are the ones that go out and get upsets like this. Well, Colorado lost their veterans in this game. They did. They lose Cepho. They lose Derek McCartney. Uh, even losing, you know, Diego Gonzalez. Like, it's hard to see one of your teammates like that. Like, players were telling me after the game about, like, seeing, like, his Achilles balled up in his heel. Like, that takes a little bit out of you. Like, you know, it's like, it's like a fallen soldier. So, I think you can take more positives away from this game than negatives. And, and Tyler Ziskin predicted it perfectly, saying, you know, the Buffs are going to play well. They're going to lose. And people are going to be mad. And that's just the way it is. You know, people don't like losing. Uh, I'm right there with you. I don't like losing at anything in life, like darts, video games. But <laughs> you have to understand, like, this, this is the big house. This is your starting quarterback becoming, getting injured. Yes, the, did, the, did the punting team really hurt them and hurt their chances to win that game? Of course. But you have to keep a lot of this stuff in perspective when you're, when you're looking at this game. I mean – looking at road games in the past, and we always go back to the Fresno State game, but how many years ago was that? That was five years ago? I don't know. Four? Longer, yeah. But that's the transition they've made. Fresno State is nowhere near the caliber of a Michigan, and that's the rise, so to speak. And, you know, we we talked about it uh, over the offseason. Is it easier to go from getting close or from from being far away to getting close or to getting close to actually winning these games? Well, the Buffs have done that first thing pretty clearly now. I am 100% belief, not that I wasn't before, that this program has turned around for the better because they actually can compete on this level. They're blowing teams out that they should be. Uh, I mean, they got paid $1.4 million to play that game. There's no way they should even be competing in that. Yeah, like how, but how cool would it have been if they got paid 1.4 mil for a dub? What did I tweet in the, I tweeted in the first half, take the money and run Buffs. Good tweet, good tweet. I couldn't see anything. I couldn't tweet anything because there's there's 110,000 people all trying to tweet at the same time out out in the stands. It was terrible. I felt like naked. Um, <laughs> oh no, Ryan without Twitter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Jake sent me a tweet today that was like, "Can you imagine life without Twitter? Like I would straight up just drive my car into a river." Because <laughs> you've said oh that before. Goodness. Yeah, I mean, what is life without Twitter? I don't know. Uh, Speaking of your life, what was your life like? Because Friday afternoon, we both fly out. I go to a vastly, I go to the other side of Lake Michigan. You went to the fun side of Lake Michigan. Uh, Yeah, and I had to go to your shitty side of Lake Michigan for some flight, and it was terrible. Were you on, did you go through O'Hare or Midway? Midway. Oh, I didn't even go to O'Hare or Midway. I flew into Milwaukee. That's a veteran Chicago move. I didn't have a choice because I didn't buy my flight, so I just went with what I was told to do, which included waking up at 4 a.m., and trying to hail an Uber that wasn't existent 
trying to get to the airport. That was like the most stressful thing in my life. So those were the downsides of the trip, probably the only downsides. What were the upsides? What was Ann Arbor like? Uh, road buffs. Describe that again because it never gets old, road buffs. Yeah, obviously. I've actually compiled a list here of all the things uh, CU beat Michigan at despite not beating them at football. Uh, number one, females. Literally, oh my God. there was more pretty girls just there that were CU fans than there are in all of Ann Arbor normally. Um, and, like, plenty of people can corroborate me on this. It was pretty wild. Uh, tailgating, like, the, tail, the CU tailgate that we went to, obviously I, I tweeted out, like, they shut down the actual alumni tailgate. And some of the guys that we met at the bar the night before as CU had literally taken over the entire bar scene in all of Ann Arbor had told us about their tailgate. And so, like, we're just taking an Uber trying to get to the golf course where everyone tailgates. And we see it, and we're like, oh, that's the address they gave us. Like, let's get out here. It was the most wild tailgate I've ever been to. Uh, Jake, <laughs> Jenkins, like, uh, he saw some of the Snapchats. At one point, we were just hanging a CU flag over this walk where everyone had to go through to get to the stadium. And, like, these people were just, like, walking through this CU flag, just, like, taking their medicine because we were going so crazy that they were just like, oh, my God, get us through here. It was like, <laughs> hide your children, hide your wives. Like, just don't oh deal with these people at all. It looked so fun. I watched your Snapchat, Tyler Murray, Tyler Ziskin Snapchats. It looked so incredibly fun. And I talked about it last week where describing road buffs and all that. But, like, you, unless you live road buffs, you don't know how awesome road buffs is. It's, it's just a different, like, it's a different lifestyle. Like, all of a sudden, Tyler, Tyler and Linus and all those guys are, like, acting like they're in their 20s and in college again. And it's like, it's like there's a time machine. Other things the buffs won. Like, total shots taken, just the CU amount of people took more than everyone in Michigan. Like um, alcohol shots? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. All-around partying was just a, a, an out, a blowout. Uh, CU won the first quarter. <laughs> CU won in total field goal posts that weren't actually field goal posts taken. Uh, as I wake up, I'll give some background. As I wake up at 4 a.m. to go to my flight, I walk downstairs to see a giant... <laughs> A giant, oh, I saw this. A giant yellow, <laughs> it looked like a field goal post, going across our entire Airbnb. Oh. And I was like, what is this? So then I'm sitting at the airport, and, I, and I'll admit, I had gone home a little early the night before because I had to get up at 4 a.m. As I'm sitting at the airport, I'm scrolling through their Snapchats, and literally there's just a Snapchat of Kid Rock playing for some reason, and these guys just walking down the street with this, like, 45-foot uh, yellow... PVC tube or whatever it was. <laughs> Somehow that made it all the way back into our Airbnb. Um, fight song sung. We went out there with the plan of like, let's not be the pests that like go invade the town and annoy the shit out of all the like people that live there. Like you guys did in New Mexico. Right. <laughs> like, so we're like, we'll be nice about it, but we go to this bar and it was called The Garage and like every single person in there is a CU fan. We're like, what is happening? Like, where are all the Michigan people? Do they That's not party? That's the best feeling. Right. And so, like, I tweeted out what one guy said. He was just like, where the fuck did all these Colorado people come from? And we decided to sing one fight song because we were like, we just have to. We're taking over this place. Well, one turned into two, turned into 17, turned into literally singing the fight song from 10 p.m. until 2 a.m., like, at least every two minutes. <laughs> Uh, and then we also won in people per house. Our Airbnb had about, oh, I don't know, 20 people in it, and it was a three-bedroom house. 
like if you can imagine a, a two-bedroom upper floor with five air mattresses <laughs> literally just connecting the rooms together like so like it was this old old house like every time someone moves on an air mattress like the entire house creaks and then like another person wakes up because they heard that and so they move around and it's like this symphony of creaking rubber beds um but michigan did win quarters two through four they did win punting and they did win hospitality uh the airbnb had chickens which was the most amazing thing ever a bird yes and uh a nice lady named becky gave me a a bed to sleep in all right (laughs) becky with the good hair (laughs) i think the only thing i've said during that list is oh my god like (laughs) you know you talk about hospitality and i got to tell you about another place that's very hospitable the colorado keg house off of 36 in wadsworth in broomfield they are the home for colorado craft beer get ready for it ryan Nitros, Al's, IPAs, <laughs> and lagers. They've got everything you could want from a beer joint. You know, they've got 30 big screen TVs, even more than that, I believe. It is a really good place to go check out the Buffs game if you want to do that on Saturday, maybe have a few beers. Uh, kickoffs around 3.30. I'm sure they'd be more than happy to see you there. It's the Colorado Keg, off, keg House off of 36 uh, in Broomfield, right next to the Broomfield Event Center. I actually played golf with the, the owner of Colorado Keg House yesterday. A really good guy, like tried and true Colorado craft beer guy just like he's tried every single one he goes to all these like beer festivals to see which ones they should bring there uh definitely if you're a beer person the Colorado Cake House is the place for you we're going to come back on the other side we're going to give some more takeaways from our the Michigan game uh as well from what we've seen from non-conference play uh we also shout out a Colorado Safe Outlet question of the week on Twitter uh so we'll read that off to you as well on the other side of the break Fossil Trace Golf Club is a destination for golfers across the country. Tucked into the foothills of Golden, Colorado, Fossil Trace is one of the most unique courses in America. Hole 12 was named one of the most fun 18 holes in America by Golf Digest. Fossil Trace is 5280's best golf course, and it's less than 20 minutes from downtown Denver. Go to Fossil Trace to escape the ordinary and discover the extraordinary with prehistoric and modern. Schedule your tee time up to 60 days in advance at FossilTrace.com. Preferred Organic Therapy is one of Denver's original dispensaries. They've carried a fine list of award-winning strains since 2009, and they now carry Colorado's largest selection of edibles. You'll find other things like Apothecana oils and creams, Marcaha oral tinctures, and Charlotte's Web CBD. Nobody gives you the variety that Preferred Organic Therapy does. We're conveniently located off of I-25 and Colorado Boulevard. Preferred Organic Therapy, a better way to heal. Ryan, I've got to ask you one more question about your trip. You've taken a lot of trips as a member of Road Buffs. Where would the Michigan trip rank? God, you know, I would rank it higher if my if my stay there wasn't so short. I literally got – I get in on Friday night kind of late. You know, I'm, I didn't get to do anything during the day, like go check out any of Michigan. Um, basically ate some pizza, went straight to the bars, woke up, went to the game, went to the bars – went home and left so that was the only hard part about it like even Tyler afterwards was like I feel like I barely barely saw you but like glad you could come and I was like yeah kind of sucks I mean I bet it was nice to be there because you probably felt like part of the action right right yeah yeah but you know where you can really feel like part of the action where? On mybookie.lv. It's that time of year again, and we have a new opportunity for you to make some serious cold hard cash. 
while watching football, of course. Uh, that site is called mybookie.lv, and thousands of experts and rookies are playing and winning big there. They offer real Las Vegas odds, amazing player props, and live in-game action with odds updated in real time. But the best thing about mybookie.lv is the fast, no-hassle payouts when you win. Join now today. Make sure you use promo code BSN Denver to activate the offer, which is dollar for dollar up to $1,000 and an extra 10%. That's promo code BSN Denver. Expert or rookie, you got to check out mybookie.lv today. I really was part of the action. Uh, and I have to give a shout out to, I wasn't prepared for this at the time in my current state, but I had to give a shout out to all the CU fans who came up to me. <laughs> like one guy started this chain reaction where he's like, Hey, I think that's that Ryan Konigsberg guy. I follow him on Twitter. And then, like, ten different people were like, oh, yeah, dude, like, great. And I was like, no. Like, I was like, no, not now. But uh, I do I do appreciate those people for saying hi. I mean, if you want to come say hi to us Saturday at the Blake Street Tavern, we're both going to be watching the CU game here. Uh, Jake will be working, and I'll have, like, a whip just, like, <laughs> oh my work harder. You laugh, just Allie, but this is our relationship. <laughs> Uh, just me, like pounding, me pounding beers and just. Whoosh, whoosh. I will not DD for you, however. It's fine. It, eh, we'll see. <laughs> okay. Um, Allie, are you coming? Um, there's a possibility. All right. If I get a ride down here for sure. I guess I'll have to bring two whips. Oh, God. <laughs> um, we threw this out on Twitter. What was your biggest takeaway from the CU Buffs Michigan game? Uh, this is the Colorado Safe Outlook question of the week. And we've got some interesting responses. If and if big uh, and a big if, if Colorado can learn to be adequate on special teams and keep their quarterback healthy, they have a good chance to win a lot of games. Taylor Henry said. So if Colorado can do the things they can't do, they have a chance to be good. Essentially, Ian Harding, Buff starters can stand toe to toe with a top five team on the road. Now the Buffs need to keep improving their depth. Garrett Bear, who always responds to this, and we appreciate that. If Cepho says stays healthy, almost every game on the schedule feels winnable. And Buck Wild says our special teams perform like CSU starters. He actually spelled R the wrong yeah. way, though, and it caused me physical pain. And uh, someone else just came in and said lack of quarterback depth. Uh, Ryan, I'll start with I have with to say, though, like, I wouldn't be able to bear it if Garrett Bear didn't chime in on this. Ryan, I'll have to ask you, <laughs> what was your you biggest sometimes. takeaway from that Buffs game uh, against Michigan? I think we, we touched on it a little bit in the, in the front segment, but just the fact that they came out like that. The fact that they came out, and it's the same thing that I talked about when they went out and, and gave CSU the business. It was like, we're here, we're here to win, and we believe we're going to win, and we're just going to go ahead and do it. Uh, we don't care what you do to try and stop us. So the, the atmosphere, and I, I forgot to mention this earlier, it was, like, quiet. Like, for 110,000 people, so I guess CSU also won, like, amount of noise made because – I, I don't know if Michigan fans, like someone, one of their fans later told me, like, yeah, all of our fans are old. They don't really make any noise. Kind of like the Arizona of the Big Ten. But it was just cool to see them have absolutely, it's almost like they're, they don't have a conscience. They're just like, yeah, we're just here to win. And that's what we're going to do. And, like, obviously, unfortunately, it fell apart in the least suspecting part of the game for them. But really impressive to see the, the attitude and the mindset they took out onto the field. Yeah. No, um, I think Michigan was caught off guard. I think they weren't expecting the Buffs to come out so fast and so hot. And honestly, with, like, Steven Montez, I think he was put in a really hard position. Like, he was thrown into the game with, like, Cepho being injured. It was 
the score was 31-28. Like, he's at the big house. Like, that's such an intimidating and, like, very difficult position to be put in. And I think he did he did pretty well, I think. like. The thing is, like, with the amount of time that he had, you can't expect him to do anything. And George Fra Frazier did him no favors yeah. by dropping that ball. Like, that's a touchdown. That gets your confidence going. little trick play. You throw a dime onto the hands of a guy that you should trust. and But how, how concerning was it that you need a trick play like that just so Montez can get the ball off? Because, like, Every play before that, he was getting hit really hard. He got hit on that play, too. Right, and he was 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, it, it was concerning, and I, I, like I said, it was like the Queen Bee thing. As soon as the offense lost their leader, it was kind of like uh, just chickens with their heads cut off, and I felt really bad for Steven Montez because it almost looked like, like he you know, uh, stole one of their Xbox games or something, and they were all turning on him, and they are just like... <laughs> Let's just let, let's let these guys through and, and get Steven back for whatever he did to us. Like, it was actually kind of sad. Um, I kind of wrote this in three things, but I didn't really expand on it enough. And what my headline was was a little bit misleading, I'll be honest about it. And I said, did the CU Buffs lose more than they gained? And this is my takeaway. You know, the Buffs, I am very much pleased with the way they played. I was very impressed with it. But looking forward to the rest of the season and what that game cost them, it cost them kicker Diego Gonzalez. And we've talked about it on this podcast that Diego Gonzalez needed to be near elite this season uh, to, have, to, to get the buffs to a bowl game. And he looked like he was going to do it. He was very confident in his kicks. Uh, he had missed one the entire season. It was right before his injury. And he was kicking every ball out of the end zone. He was, he was spectacular as a kicker, almost everything you could ask for. And compare that to last year when he was very hit and miss, he had taken huge strides. Chris Graham, on the other hand, who was competing with Diego Gonzalez for his job last year, I don't think has taken those same strides. So when you're going from a team that struggled to score in the red zone to, okay, well, now you have a kicker and you can kind of use that as a safety net, I thought they were going to be golden, and I was ready to say they were going to a bowl game last week. I said it on this podcast. I'm a lot more confident that they were going to go to a bowl game last week. Without Diego Gonzalez, I'm right back down because – I think that that loss is so meaningful because Diego Gonzalez is so much of a better player than Chris Graham, at least from what we've seen. We haven't seen a lot of Chris Graham, but he had looked so good this year, and to lose a guy like that is heartbreaking. And to expand on it, to lose Derek McCartney, that's a guy who was their best run stopper, perhaps, on the outside, uh, of their outside linebacking position. He was their biggest, strongest guy there, the most veteran guy as well. And to lose that guy, it cannot be understated, even though they have depth at that spot. Those are two huge losses for this team. Yeah, the, the good news is uh, the Buffs get N.J. Fallow back uh, to kind of – he's probably going to fill right into where Derek McCartney was. Um, no events to Christian Shaver, but he looked like a boy going up against men trying to defend those sweeps that Michigan had so much success with. Uh, and it was unfortunate to see because – that was a big part of the offense's success for Michigan in the second half is they were kind of just going right at him, uh, and it was rough. But I think if this team can keep Cepho, whether it's this week or next week, uh, you hope to have him back this week, but even with him, it's a tough win. Oregon State, if you have Cepho, that should be a win. As long as you have him and, and he's not compromised, you're fine. You know, I just think of it this way. 
obviously if it's fourth and 15 and you're in the red zone, you're not going to go for it. But fourth and three and you're on the 35-yard line, like you're just going to start going for that. And if there's anyone that's effective in short yards, it's Sefo Lufau. So as long as you have him, I think you're going to be okay. Another thing that I saw in this game, and I haven't really mentioned or seen this anywhere, but Philip Lindsay's had, over the course of his career, really good starts to years, and then he kind of quiets down. And he was very quiet in that Michigan game for a large portion of it, and I was kind of curious if that pattern's going to repeat itself again, where Philip Lindsay starts off the season very hot, and then he, I don't want to say tired, but he kind of loses what he had very early in the season, and I started to notice it a little bit. Granted, Michigan is a way different team than Colorado State or Boise, but he Idaho was... State. Sure, whatever. There's a big difference, There's between, a big difference There's no between those two. Sure, whatever, <laughs> between Idaho State and Boise State. One is from Pocatello. One is from Boise. But you understand my point that Philip Lindsay did not look like an impact player in that game compared to the way he's looked previously. That's not a good matchup for him. Uh, you know, he's not big... He, he's not a big, strong power back that goes up against those guys, but he likes to use power. And against a really powerful defense, that doesn't exactly work, you know. He's not the fastest guy in the world. He's not the strongest guy in the world. He's kind of a hybrid, and that works against defenses that are also not exactly sure what they want to be. If, if it's a really fast defense, then he can use his power against them. But Michigan was such a, a mix of speed and power that they kind of neutralized everything that Phil could do. I've got one more thing, and this is something that I heard earlier in the non-conference schedule, but Ryan Moeller and Cheeto Uzi both potentially could play linebacker. I was kind of curious why they weren't shifted to that nickel outside linebacker spot once Christian Shaver was ineffective as he was. That, that's just something I kind of... That doesn't up. work. All right, well, both of those guys have told me that they could play that spot. But that's, no, no, no. They can't play on the line. Right. That's a diff. well, what I was saying is you would, sh you would shift a couple guys around, but all of a sudden you're shifting your entire defense in that way, and you're changing formations. And Either way, what we've learned, I think, from this non-conference schedule is that Colorado is probably where they should be or a little bit better than where they should be. Uh, Allie, where... What are your impressions of Colorado after three games and where you thought they would be and where they are now? I'm really impressed. Um, I think the rise is sort of real. Um, nice. And <laughs> I did not expect um, the Buffs to play as well as they did in the last two games um, with CSU and Idaho State. I expected them to win, but I didn't expect them to win by that much and come out so strong. And I was even so surprised, like I said earlier, when they came out so strong against Michigan. Um, I wasn't even at the bar yet, and everyone was freaking out that they scored. And it was like everyone was just so excited that they came out with such fast momentum. And I'm excited to see them in the future, honestly. Um, I don't know how they'll play against Oregon. Oregon also has a fast-paced um, offense. So I don't know, honestly. Yeah, I think it's just great to see CU fans excited again. Like, everyone was so proud to be wearing their buff gear in Michigan and, like, in years past, road buffs was still a thing, but it was like, oh, let's go and be unsuspecting and just kind of go about our business and go enjoy the game, enjoy the sights and sounds. This was like, everyone really believes in this team, and they're, they give you something to believe in because of the way they fight, the way that they execute, the way that they really are controlled out on the field and the swagger that they carry. 
it builds that in the fan base. And I think that's the biggest takeaway I've had from these first three games is they've been good enough to kind of uh, go get through the cautious optimism and to actual optimism with the fans. You know, fans are now – we've reached the point, I think, where fans are expecting them to get to a bowl game. Like, if they can do that to Michigan, everyone thinks, well, then they should probably be able to beat, you know, the, the – Arizona's, Arizona's of the world. Of the world the, even Arizona State. So, I think they've just – they've done enough to really make people believe, like Ali said, that the rise is real. You know, for me, and we already knew this at the end of last season with what happened to Sefa Lufa on the list, Frank injury, but the first three games, the first two, Sefa looked so good. In the first quarter of that game against Michigan, he looked so good. And then you contrast that with what happened when he goes down. You learn, and we talked about it a lot last week about Sefa Lufa and the importance to this team, but he is such a leader. He's such a solid quarterback, uh, upper echelon in the Pac-12. I do believe that. He is probably fourth or fifth best quarterback in the Pac-12, if not even maybe a little bit better than that. But what he means to this offense, the ability to run and pass the ball the way he does is so important, and it is essential for him to be healthy and stay healthy for this season if the Buffs have any shot at a bowl game. I'm wondering if you could maybe go back and pull the audio of me during the summer saying that Sefa Lufau is going to make every single person who's talked down upon him regret it because I think every CU fan right now believes in Sefo Lufau and that wasn't the case three games ago oh yeah the way he fights like that makes everyone want to fight like just seeing him at the Michigan game he was limping and he was still playing and he threw an amazing pass and like it scored he scored a touchdown uh, or he didn't score a touchdown but they scored a touchdown and um, I think just him fighting makes everyone excited and makes everyone respect him and just want to see Sefo out there playing and of course everyone's excited to see Steven Montez but like the leadership Sefo brings is something that you can't change. It's really second to none of, of players I've seen because everyone fo- like everyone wants to follow that guy because he's tougher than them. Like he and and I think again I, I went back to this last year against USC. Everyone felt like Sefa was invincible. And he gives off that vibe, you know, even when he's hurt he won't tell anyone. I mean twice and I asked McIntyre this question this week. In the Colorado State game in twenty fifteen, he whatever he did to his shoulder, it was an injury that affected yeah. him the rest of the year. He comes out of the game, comes right back in and throws a touchdown pass. Yet uh in Saturday, he gets that injury to his ankle, stays in the game and throws a touchdown pass. Both times he's had serious injuries. He stayed in games and thrown touchdown passes. I could be wrong about this, but I think the injury occurred on the touchdown pass. Well, no, it, no, it, it occurred the play before. before. Oh really? Yeah. He was okay. limping when he was like coming And he off wouldn't of come off play. the field. And then yeah. he got hit on it again. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's he's just a warrior like even when he comes out after that, and he was, I mean, he could hardly walk off the field. I saw him on the sidelines. I saw Steven Montez watch, warming up. I wasn't even really watching the defense. I was just watching Sefo. I was like, he's coming back in. Of course, he does come back in, and I think he realized when he came back in that he couldn't be effective. But he, he's, like, uh, he's like the mother of the family who can't show that. The weakness. You know, she can't show the weakness, like, the, you know they're struggling to pay the bills, but she shows the strength, and the, and the whole family follows. Like he feels like it, he can't show his show weakness, or else the rest of the team will follow. And you you see when he gets taken out of the game, it felt like they had something sucked out of them. Like okay, uh, you know Sefo's not invincible. We we learned that again, and it was hard for them to to rebound. 
Well, not even that, but when he was off, like, off the field and he went into the locker room, you could see that the leadership was gone and Steven Montez was struggling. And when he came back out and was able to talk to Steven and, like, give him some advice, let him know what's going on and help him kind of relax, like, even just on the sidelines, the players were talking about the leadership that he brings. Even if he isn't on the field, like, just being on the sidelines, he just makes the team feel a little more relaxed and a little more prepared. I mean, McIntyre's talked about how the team coaches itself, and I think Stefo's at the forefront of that. But I want to talk about Michigan for one second. Jabril Peppers, really, Jabril Peppers, his, that's his name, really, really impressive player. But I don't know if you saw what I was disgusted by, Ryan, uh, on the sidelines. But what he did, and not many people saw this, but after he was returning a kick or a punt, he ran into the CU sidelines like a normal. That happens all the time. And he kept running in, and he went helmet down right to where Sefo Lufau was getting looked at. And the trainer knocked out a trainer. It almost knocked out Sefo. Uh, and Sefo had his helmet off on the sidelines on the bench right after that ankle injury. I have never seen a play that disgusting, in my opinion. Twitter went crazy. I, I was just, I was disgusted by it. I that. only saw one angle of it, and it was, and you couldn't see the whole thing. And, and just based off of what you're saying, I think you probably saw a better angle than me because what the, the only thing I saw, you couldn't, it didn't appear to be intentional. I mean, it was ten yards deep into the sidelines, and he kept running on that angle. That, that's kind of why. I, that's why I thought it was intentional. Instead of going straight, he kept curling into the sidelines while keeping up at full speed. And I know those tarmacs are really hard to stop on, but whatever they call those plastic sheets. But he lowered his head at a guy on the bench without his helmet on. Yeah, you know? I saw the trainer get destroyed. Yeah, get destroyed. So, um, so anyways, we're going to come right back on the BSN Buffs podcast. We're going to be talking about the Oregon game, a big game. Uh, Oregon lost to Nebraska this past weekend. How will that affect the way Oregon plays this weekend against the Colorado Buffaloes? We'll find out after the break when we talk about it. Jackson's Hole opened in March of 1977 and quickly became the place for watching sports. Almost 40 years later, and Jackson's All-American Sports Grill is keeping the reputation alive. There's 65 and 70-inch TVs everywhere, the food is still amazing, and there's almost 30 beers on tap, including our table taps that you can control at your own booth. Come down to Jackson's All-American Sports Grill in Greenwood Village off Arapahoe and I-25, the original sports grill. By staying at the forefront of cannabis genetics, cultivation, and quality control, the clinic provides the best cannabis you'll find. And with 50 awards, they've won more than any other dispensary in Colorado. There's also a brand new clinic location right next to the Colorado Light Rail Station. And if you bring in a ticket from the game, they'll give you 15% off your entire purchase there. Seriously, check them out. Go to the new location off Colorado or go to theclinickcolorado.com. Back on the BSN Buffs podcast, I'm with Ryan Konigsberg and Ali Monroy. And Ryan and I were going to go bowling Friday night, and I haven't brought this up yet, but the Clock Tower Grill is right by where we're going bowling. Maybe we want to stop off at the Clock Tower Grill, get some $3 shots, baby. I can't hear you because these men who are wearing fluorescent headbands are making lots of unnecessary noise. They're cavemen. What is going on? <laughs> Come out to the Blake Street Tavern where you can wear a fluorescent headband and be an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> or go to the Clock Tower Grill and do that where there's $3 Long Islands on Mondays, $3 shots on Fridays, like I said, and 75 cent wings on Wednesday. It is the perfect place to get your pregame on. If you're going down to a Broncos game or something like that, stop off at the Lincoln Light Rail Station and hit the Clock Tower Grill. You'll have to excuse Allie on this segment. We've now been here for like almost three and a half hours, and she's officially reached her breaking point on time spent with Ryan and Jake. I can't handle their puns, guys. <laughs> I need Will 
here right now because he hates it as much as I do. If you see us on Twitter, let's just say in person, the puns, uh, the puns are, are uh, more quantity. You see, more, more in, quantity. in person is where we test all the worst puns, and only the ones that succeed make it to Twitter. Yes, exactly. That is the secret of our Twitters. You're lucky if you only get to see the Twitter ones. <laughs> Anyways, what I did see <laughs> online on allbuffs.com is there's a debate about Levitt blitzing five or uh, blitzing the defense against four freshman alignment. They've also got a couple of freshman offensive linemen that are their backup offensive linemen. And it's a really interesting thing because uh, the Buffs aren't going to have to stop Royce Freeman, uh, it doesn't sound like this weekend, or uh, the wide receiver, Kalen, Ad God, I'm forgetting his name, the wide receiver, the hurdler from USA. Uh, it's, he's out for the year. He's, he's a really good player, but I'm spacing on his name right now. Uh, but Is what his I'm name by any chance? Al. Al. Um, but they've got Dakota Prukop out there at quarterback and uh, Kenny ben Benoit, uh, who played last year against CU, and I think was pretty good in that game, if I can remember. Uh, He's a little fast guy, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so how did the Buffs attack this offense of Oregon in their place after they're angry? It's really interesting because they're almost the exact opposite of a team that they played in Michigan last week. So without... Derek McCartney, how will they look with a spread out defense a little bit playing in Eugene? Yeah, I think they're going to have to do what Jim Levitt does best, and that's dial up pressure. Uh, they ha they're going to have a lot of trouble containing that side where Derek McCartney is missing. I think that's going to be a big uh, storyline of this game. I think they're going to have to put help over there, whether that's in the form of Cheeto or Tedrick. They're going to have to bring someone up near the line of scrimmage on the side of whether it's Christian Shaver or NJ Fallow out there to kind of uh, – it's almost like, you know, if you were chipping on the other side of the ball, you have to bring a second guy over there because even though Oregon's offensive line is inexperienced, they, they recruit a certain type, and that's an, that's an athletic lineman. They're going to be able to get out and set that edge. And you worry – I just worry after what I saw last week after, uh, after DMAC went out that edge was a, a big, big liability. And they're not going to run those power sweeps, but they're going to run a zone read sweep, which essentially can be the same thing. They're going to pull a guard out there or a tackle, and uh, they're going to have to send help over there. But I think you're going to see Jim Levitt dial up a bunch of pressure. Uh, I think that's the Buffs' best way to have success in this. Look, you've got a great secondary. Trust them. Um, Akella Witherspoon was great in coverage last week. I actually uh, was on the same flight as his mom. Very nice lady. Uh, you have to trust those guys. So, you know, what? even if you're sending Cheeto, trust Akello, trust Isaiah Oliver, trust whoever you have on the back end off the lobby, uh, Ryan Moeller, whoever it is back there, you have to trust those guys in one-on-one -on -one coverage and send, send pressure at the quarterback. Yeah, and another thing, you mentioned that offensive line being really athletic. Uh, they get their tight end back, who'd missed, I think, the first two games of the year, or just at least the first one, and Farrell Brown, who's a very solid player. Uh, Matt Cisneros made me mention that on the podcast because he's a big Farrell Brown fan. Did he go to his high school? I don't know, possibly, because Matt's obsessed with that. But, <laughs> you know. You got Farrell Brown, and there's Farrell Cooper. Uh, oh, he was, it was on Farrell Har Cooper, not Farrell Brown. No, he was on. Farrell Brown was. Or Farrell Cooper is on the Rams. Okay. I don't know. 
Uh, there's an uptick in people named Pharaoh these days. All I know is there's a lot of talk of letting my people go over the weekend at the bar mitzvah. Do you think they like that Kanye lyric? Have you ever had sex with a Pharaoh? <laughs> <laughs> and you, you guys can finish the rest of that. I'm not going to say that on I, the podcast. I feel, like, I feel like they're big fans of that. Like, that would be my ringtone if my name was Pharaoh. <laughs> I would also make, like, other, like, I would make girls have that as the, their ringtone for when I called. <laughs> I can't. I, I literally all I'm saying is oh my god to what you guys say. <laughs> um, but I think it's nice. It's like a drop. We have a drop. We can just have a drop of Allie saying oh my god, and then we don't <laughs> have to have to bring her to the podcast. <laughs> um, but entering conference play and entering this Oregon game, Oregon lost last week to Nebraska, and I really thought that Oregon was gonna or Colorado was gonna have a good shot at beating Oregon, especially with a, Cep- a healthy Cephalufau. Now that they've lost to Nebraska, and they're playing at home, and they're going to be angry, and Cephalufau might not be healthy. I don't feel really confident about this game for the Buffs. To me, I'll, I'll put it this way. If Sefa plays, they win. If he doesn't, they lose. That's really what it all comes down I to to me. You're trusting that much on Chris Graham's leg. I'm not trusting anything on Chris Graham's leg. I'm trusting everything on Cephalufau's arm. Okay. And his legs. Fair, fair. But if I know anything about Sefo. He'll take whatever needle, whatever painkiller, whatever you have to shoot into that ankle to make him okay. And actually, uh, his dad was telling me about some, like, tried-and-true healing hands thing that they do in Samoa to heal uh, a sprained ankle. So maybe he's getting that done. Uh, but he'll, I, I really think he finds a way to at least give it a go. And maybe he finds out he can't be effective. It flares up. But I think he gets out there. But would you rather him not – 100% healthy play against Oregon and then miss the rest of the season just in, like by accident like what if he gets hurt like would you rather him not be 100% and play and then something happens and makes it so much worse for the Buffs for the rest of the season you just can't look at you can't live that way as a football team as a football coach um, and those ankle injuries are injuries that are very hard to He's not going to be – I'll tell you this. His ankle is not going to be 100% healthy again But I don't think he's going to hurt it more in this game. No. Because I mean, he'll, he can aggravate it and just fl- make it flare up because you're you're running on an injured ankle. But I'll say this. Cepho at about 75% is, I think, better than Steven Montez at 100. And Steven Montez took some hits himself. I don't think he's at 100%. Yeah. I, I've kind of heard the same thing as you did. And, you know – for the Colorado offense to be playing with, you know, I mean, they did play with Jordan Gerke for at least a snap in that Michigan game, but to have that potential where you're really not sure quarterback, and it's not even a disguise thing going into Oregon where they're trying to hide whether or not they're going to play Cepho. It's they legitimately don't know. It's going to be a game-time decision, and that's such a – I think that'll change what this game is, and you kind of alluded to it with if he plays or doesn't, but if you're a player and you go in and you say – okay, we got Cephalufau today compared to we don't, and that's been looming over you all week. I think that changes your mindset as a player when you go into that game and that game starts. Maybe. I mean, I said this to you earlier when we were talking. Uh, like, Cepho doesn't need to practice. Uh, he doesn't need to do anything. Like, if I'm Mike McIntyre, I'm giving all the first-team reps to Steven Montez because he needs them. Cepho doesn't. He knows what the playbook is. He knows – who's going to be open on what plays. He has all the chemistry with his wide receivers. And that's taken him four years to develop. And so that's why I say, you know, having him out there, 
That's why I said, I've said, you know, forever, a four-year starter on the football field, especially at quarterback, is maybe the most valuable thing you can have in college football. Yeah, Zepho certainly uh, I think is probably the number one key to the game, him being healthy. To uh, me, he is. And I think the other key to the game is shutting down, and all buffs alluded to this, but shutting down a pretty inexperienced Oregon offense, especially without Royce Freeman. Uh, they're not... They don't have the stars of past. If the Colorado can rely on their secondary, like you said, and actually get three and outs, you kind of trust that offense because that's where it went wrong in the Michigan game. Yeah, they didn't score, but all of a sudden, Michigan ran buck wild on Colorado's defense, and that's been the key over the first... Well, that was the key over the first two games was Colorado's defense getting quick stops and getting off the field. Yeah, it's interesting. When was the last time you could say, I mean, especially without Royce Freeman out there, I don't think the average college football fan can name one player on Oregon. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't think they can. Other than Royce Freeman, he's, like, the one star they have. But, like, they don't have dating, that perennial Heisman guy. Dating year. back to, like, LaMichael James or even further than that, they've always had that guy that you know about. LeGarrette Blount, even. Yeah, even – yeah. But I, I, for me, I, I think one more thing for this game is uh, – you look at Colorado's offense, and Shea Fields got shaken up a little bit in the game. You need him to be healthy. You need him to be able to stretch out defenses. They did that really well against Michigan. You need these. You need your guys to be, be healthy. And why I say this is because this is the first legitimate shot that Colorado's had at beating Oregon at their place since they joined the conference. You look at even last year when Colorado and Oregon played in that crazy rain game, which I'm going to criticize the CU notes for because it says light rain was the weather conditions. That was about as heavy of a rain as you could possibly get. <laughs> I think, were you, in, were you in the... First row in the student section, Yeah, baby. so from our perspective, it looked like light rain in, in the warmth <laughs> of the press box. Dude, I was doused. Um, but that game was crazy, but I think in the way Colorado competed in that game as well, it was 17-17 at halftime last year. Colorado has a legitimate shot at Autzen Stadium this weekend, uh, and Mike McIntyre said something really interesting yet today. He said, he was asked, what's so hard about playing at Autzen Stadium? And McIntyre said, yeah, you know, the crowd noise, whatever, but really, it's the fact that their players are so good. And that's what's made it so tough to play there. They don't have that much of a – they don't have that problem to the extent that they've had in the last few years. Fair enough. Yeah, I agree. We're going to come back on the uh, BSN Buffs podcast. Favorite segment of the week, the all-name team. Uh, so stick around for that. I don't think – Ryan's probably got a head start in looking at the rosters right now. He totally is. You suck. Um, we're going to come back I right now. I don't and, know that game. And check out the all-name well, You're about team. to learn. I'm you're going to learn today. <laughs> Euflora is the Apple store of cannabis with three locations, the biggest selection in the state, and a tech-driven shopping experience. Euflora is the only dispensary you need. Euflora has over 75 types of edibles, tinctures, topicals, and drinks, and they have over 20 strains of flour at all times. To see everything Euflora has to offer, go to eufloracolorado.com. That's eufloracolorado.com. When is the last time you went to the Rock Restaurant and Bar on Smoky Hill Road? 
with 69 cent wings on Mondays, trivia on Tuesdays, and $2 domestics during happy hour and weekends. The Rock Restaurant and Bar is the only choice when I'm in South Aurora. They're open 9 a.m. to 2 a.m. every day, making them a great place for a big breakfast, tasty lunch, or a nice dinner. The Rock is off of Smoky Hill Road, just a few blocks west of E470. Find them online at therockrest.com. That's therockrest.com. Life Flower Dispensary on Leedsdale serves medical and recreational until midnight. We are a one-stop shop and have something for everyone. Whether you're a smoker or prefer to use topical treatments for severe pain, we carry a huge variety of edibles, infused sodas, concentrates, flour, and we even carry glass too. Check out our menu at weedmax.com for specific strains and price details. Life Flower Dispensary. Open 8 a.m. to 12 a.m. Monday through Sunday. Mention BSN Denver and get 15% off your entire purchase. Podcast. Time for the all name draft. Uh, Brought to you by Bryce Badwin Industries. <laughs> he bads Industries. Check him out on uh, I 25 and I 70 right there on the corner. Uh, you can see him slinging he bads industry product. I yes. made that sound way dirtier than it actually is. Uh, Allie, you're got first time on the podcast. You got the first uh, pick there. Okay. Um, All right. So build it up. Who you got? Tell me a little bit about it. Mine's a little basic. <laughs> Shocker. Hey. Hey. <laughs> you and your puns. Put your like, pumpkin spice latte down and pick your teeth. I hate pumpkin spice. You know Corinne's going to give that. us. That. <laughs> I hate that. So I'm not that basic, I guess, to your definition. Okay. But my first pick's going to always, of course, just have to be Bay, Jay Biebs, um, Jeff Bieber. Jeff Bieber. <laughs> Yes, relation to Justin. Is he from Canada as well? I don't know. Can you tell us a little bit about Jay Biebs? I'm supposed to know. What Just look at his uh, bio real quick. Um, he's a wide receiver. He's 6'2", a little bit taller than his brother, Justin Bieber. He's um, from Sunset High School in Beaverton, Oregon. His major is accounting. And he's a sophomore. Not hitting, as big, as, hitting it as big as his brother. <laughs> Just missed the boat. All right, Jake, I'll let you go second since I've been smoking you in this lately. Yeah, you have been. I'm going to lose at this game. Shout out to Eddie McDoom for the dub last week. All right, with the first pick of the 2016, or the second pick of the 2016 Oregon all-name team draft from the Oregon Ducks, I am going to have to pick, I think my search bar stopped working. This is really anticlimactic now. Offensive lineman, number 54, human f- philosophy major, Calvin Throckmorton. Oh, he was high on my board. Oh, he wasn't on my list. <laughs> beginner, <Okay>. beginner. <laughs> With the third pick of, hang on, of the draft, I would like to take a defensive back out of Medford, Oregon, Central Catholic High School, pre-business administration major, freshman, Brady Breeze. Oh, oh that no. was great. His hair that just, oh, it just blows in the breeze. Oh. That was literally what I was about to say. <laughs> His hair is so He's good. He's so breezy. His hair is so good. Wait, I can't see the pictures. You, you have to be on the Oregon website. No, I'm trying. Um, Allie, your pick. Okay, hold on a second. 
This is the most anticlimactic all-name draft of all time. They're usually pretty anticlimactic. Um, Sean Kilpatrick. Okay, okay, that's fair. Um, that was the pressure. Wait, we were supposed pick. to go snake draft. That should have been two picks in a row for me. Should it have been? Yeah. Are we going snake draft? That's fine. I'll, I'm gonna win anyway, so keep going. Allie just pretty much threw away her draft <laughs> with that pick. <laughs> I think Kilpatrick is kind of funny. You said whatever I thought was funny. <laughs> Leave I usually alone. do. You know what? I'm, I, I am kind of uh, tempted by these great Samoan names on Oregon, but there's a really great name I got to go for, and that's assistant head coach and offensive line coach <laughs> Steve Greatwood. Yes, I saw this thing. Um, I think Cisneros tweeted out. It was like the most sexual uh, <laughs> and lewd town name in every... Yeah, it's just it. There's one that was like Bone Steel. And yeah, Steve Greatwood. <laughs> Good, solid pick. Alright. Um, I am going to now take a defensive lineman out of Pocatello, Idaho. One of our uh, favorite places we've yeah. been to. Just, just, just barely good enough to not go to Idaho State and stay home. Wayne... T. Kirby. Wayne T. Kirby. And it could be Tay. Wayne Tay Kirby. Depends. I don't think that's funny or a good one. Oh. <laughs> okay. Got a hater. <laughs> Kirby's right. probably a little before your time. I don't know if you know what Kirby is. She knows what getting curved is. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no one knows what getting curved is because that's not a thing. Oh, it's Jake. curved. Right. It's curved. <laughs> But, like, wouldn't curb make sense? Uh, we talked about this last week, but wouldn't curb make sense? Like, she kicked you to the curb. I, I, I guess. Allie's the expert here. I, well, <laughs> I haven't curbed or curbed anyone. <laughs> I have seen you do it in person. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> let's, let's move on. Okay. Uh, I think it's your pick. My pick is, I don't know how to say his name. Jehet, Jet, Jet, Janice, Jet. Jet. With a silent H, apparently. Um, yeah, he's a defensive back, 5'11". He's a sociology major from Pennsylvania. Okay. I, like, I bet you he's really slow and it's embarrassing that his name's Jet. I just say that because he's white. Like my uh, Yeah, I was not expecting that when I saw this picture. Like my cousin's friends, that the one that had the bar mitzvah this week, call him Turbo because he's extremely slow. There you go. Yeah, exactly. All right. Who has a silent H in their name? Shapiro, not me. Um, <laughs> next pick in the all-name draft coming to you from Jake Shapiro's mind. Uh, really, really another one that isn't, you know, like one of those Samoan names. Again, I'm sticking with the offensive line. Gone with the coach, gone with an offensive lineman. Here's another one. Redshirt freshman economics major from Portland, Oregon. Charlie Landgraf. Charlie Landgraf. All right, I guess this would be the final pick, even though I have lots more on my list here. Oh, I could go on. <laughs> you guys clearly don't think the names I think are funny. So. Uh, okay. Not funny, good names. Uh-oh, I, I lost my mans here. Oh, by the way, Rick Amboa said mans in the interview I did with him today on the PSN 10. Well, that was just a hint of who I'm choosing. Oh, no. Ryan's oh, no. really stressing <laughs> out. He's <laughs> typing fast. Defensive back, number 37. Applied Econ, Business and Society major out of Molala, Oregon. Michael, whose mans is this? You're Michael so Mann. excited about that, aren't you? Yes. Uh, also... And look at his picture. Like, that would make you say, whose mans is this? <laughs> what is this? He has, like a, he, 
he has like this facial goat, hair in like it. Like a goatee, but it like a It looks beard, like, but like a bigger goatee. Like a lemur has taken control of his chin. Like if he didn't have that, like he'd look a lot better. You heard it here. <laughs> Some honorable mentions on the all-name team: uh, Henry Mongro, uh, Ty Rodney Prevett. Uh, no, that's Ty Rodney Prevo. Prevo. We went over this last year on the podcast. Logan Bathke and Daquan McDowell. Uh, also Blake Ruffgraff. I liked Photo T Leatu the second. The second. I had it so written like, out. Like, the second. Photo <laughs> Leatu the second. Yes. Um, the worst name I've ever seen while picking the all-name team draft I saw on this, and that would be Drayton Carlberg. That is oh. a bad name, folks. He should be on the golf course. Yes. <laughs> uh, speaking of people on the golf course, there's Ryan golf. every single day. Pool on a pond. I shot 71 yesterday. Bless up. I think the pool is not fitting for us. We probably deserve the pond. Caddy what are you reference. telling me? Anyways, this I'm podcast confused. is going to wrap up here. For Ali Monroy, who you can follow on Twitter at Ali Monroy11. Ryan Koningsberg, who you can follow on Twitter at Ryan Koningsberg. I am Jake Shapiro. So, was Ali Monroy 1 through 10 already taken? 11's my lucky, <laughs> lucky number. Top, top 11 Monroy so right there. Annoying. When I was younger, ready ready for my Twitter name when so I was younger. 11 is also my favorite number. Oh, but you, my know, you want to hear, hear why? Hear why. Okay. 11's my favorite number because it means I'm number one twice. <laughs> I literally want to, like, Smack Do you like how I know that much about him that oh I know God. why 11 is his favorite number? <laughs> All right. Well, my Twitter name when I was younger was Ali Oop. Why? 11. Ali Oop. Oh, Ali Oop. I thought you said Ali Oop. That's why she Ali hates Oop. puns now because she already made a really good one and she can never top it. <laughs> it was a bad one. It was an awful one. It was C unit, it was C unit level pun. Oh. Can't wait to meet Ali Monroy 10. And she's great. That is the BSN Buffs podcast for the week. Follow all of our content along on bsndenver.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook at BSN Buffs. But the BSN Buffs username. So thanks for, thanks for, thanks for tuning in. <laughs> uh, we'll talk to you later. Check, 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 check. Hello. How time did you guys get here? Like two hours ago, right? Yeah. Okay. No? Yeah. Six, we got here at 6.15. Okay. Hour and a half ago. Fine, I'll say an hour and a half. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Can you hear me? Yes, you're good. Good. Ryan, give me an audio check. She says, as they've been at Blake Street Tavern for an hour and a half and done absolutely no podcasting. <laughs> Give me a nice little lalu. I saw this, the snap. I got a lalu snap. Hidden track, hidden track, <laughs> hidden track, hidden He's track. so creepy. <laughs> no, you can't do that. <laughs> Please give me an audio check. Check, check. The guy that works is hella creepy. Check, check. He continuously tells me that he's single and he's probably 35 years old. So that's interesting. Okay, here's my issue here. It's like he got your number somehow. <laughs> okay, he's the owner of... <laughs> 
truth comes out. My friends and I like want to use that. Like, like if here's my question go, to you. Here's my question to you. Does he prefer you call? It bull no, I just have always say I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just I've seen him when I'm at and he randomly was like, "Oh yeah, I have a girlfriend, but she'll probably hit on you more than I do." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> Jesus. I'm gonna go, and then he told me I'm single now, and I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> it's really weird. It's a really. Weird